It's Thursday. It's the Luke and Pete show. We're talking batteries. We're talking boys. We're talking bread. Are we? That's how I'm introducing the show this week. I don't know. I've, I don't know. It's not on the list, but we may turn our attention to someone that who has been or continues to be a boy, and bread is the food of life. What's your? So, um, you know, we might touch on what it. What is your favourite type of bread? If you go to the supermarket and you buy a loaf of bread, what do you mm. normally go for? Because I'll tell you right away, straight away now, I'll go for Hovis Seed Sensations. Now, that is Sarah's favourite uh, bread. And I, <laughs> I can't tell we're recording this after the the Euro final. We're like, uh, bread, should we talk about bread? But yes, bread, uh, the, the seed sensation she's very into. Uh, I am personally uh, someone who doesn't eat a lot of bread, so I don't really care. I'll get what she wants, to be quite frank. I'll, I'll have, if... I see a very specific kind of cheese bagel, like four cheese bagel. I'll go for that. But uh, what, yeah, so you won't even I'm just have, not a big bread. You guy. won't have a loaf of bread on the go as a matter of course in the house because in case you want to make a sandwich or have some toast or something. If I lived when I lived alone, um, never had bread in the house. Never. It's just not 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 something. I, I had a lot of noodles. <laughs> but when you lived on your own, you basically you would only really eat noodles and takeaway. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And yeah. how have you and, changed and weirdly, that since you started cohabiting? How has that changed? Um, my partner just cooks a lot of potatoes. Um, I, I've, I don't eat quite as many noodles, quite as much rice. Um, it's been replaced by by uh, potatoes. And let me tell you, that does. Um, that, there is a cost to that well, so, <laughs> when it comes to your belly. Right, so you basically every so ba- your home life then at meal times yeah. consists of your lovely lady partner who you have access to cooking a nice meal and thinking I'll just chuck mm. Peter potato. Are you like are you like one of the dogs? Like <laughs> you just sat there they oh, yeah, give Peter potato. He'll have a potato. Yeah, she's fine. got one of those um she's got one of those you know those you just never see them anywhere else, but you see those um potato ovens in cafes. Yeah. And that all they do is 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 do baked potatoes. Or they they display baked potatoes. I keep them warm, the baked potatoes. I'm not really sure what why they exist. They always look the same, don't they? Like why they always look the same, and they, they look like nice potatoes, and like the skin's very, very, very dark. But I just, I just don't know. It, it I just has limited uses. That 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 thing. Yeah. How many baked potatoes are you selling? Baked, baked potatoes are so is such is a meal, a staple that is so not in vogue at the moment, and I don't think it's ever going to get back to where it was. To be quite frank, a lot of those um, purpose-built um, baked potato ovens. I think I, I get the impression that the new generation have, have essentially eschewed those for in favour of the uh, the home pizza oven. Yes, yes, that's true. Yeah, yeah, the, the ones, those silver ones you see in the garden. I just look at that, and it it sort of puts in mind a yogurt maker my dad bought when we were in in, in the when I was like five. Right. Um. There was a you know everyone was talking about how many different yogurts we we're going to make, how exciting it's going to be, the, the the range of yogurts we were we were going to create our own. <laughs> Um, and uh, we used it like twice, yeah. and then it just went in the cupboard. And, and every time you do open the cupboard, you go, "That's a fucking yogurt maker again." And those pizza ovens kind of put in, put me mind of that. I don't, I, I just can't see. If you've got a pizza oven at home, do you use it regularly? Or are, if you sort of email in at hello at lookpizza dot com or at lookpizza on Twitter, are you just saying that because you're upset at how much it cost? Yeah, I also feel like. Um... The yogurt maker is very niche. I mean, I I, I understand the pizza <laughs> oven. People come over. It's quite fun to make pizzas. You got a kid in the family. Mm. They want to make pizzas with you. That's a thing. Um, it'll be it'll taste really nice because it'll be cooked in that traditional way. And it's in the garden, generally speaking. So it's not taking up much space. I get all that. The yogurt maker is very niche. It's the first I've ever even heard of it. I didn't even know you could buy them. <laughs> How does it work? I thought yogurt was just essentially. Um, 
fermented or or kind of some weird state of dairy. Mm. So it's not like an ice yeah, cream. Yeah, I don't maker, really know. I think it was just like a re- lit, it's like a little mini refrigerator. I want to say, um, but I remember like you, you had limited pots. You could make four pots at a time uh, in a line, and uh, yeah, just, we, we just never really, we never really. But do you know how it actually more works? Than twice. No, no, I don't know how to make yogurt. I mean, I presume it's just, is yogurt just not like um, you know temperature controlled milk, old milk. I don't yeah, really know, you know what separates rancid milk with with well, yogurt and the stuff like that. Same with cheese. There's a whole. I was about to say there's a whole array and range of dairy products that are essentially mouldy dairy that I don't feel yeah. like I've got my head around. Like cheese, is obviously, and, one and, of them. and also yeah. I, if I if I, if I was like you know sent back to um, olden times um and and i was going to introduce the people to cheese i wouldn't know how to make it i'd kill generations of people i'd kill entire villages because i don't know how to control it properly mate they ain't putting you near any of their livestock in medieval times no way yeah i think people fully i think people fully underappreciate how important the livestock was to a medieval community they're not putting anyone but the most trusted people near the animals i'm sorry to tell you mate but you are not one of them You'd probably be doing the joinery, mate. You'd probably be putting the old wooden huts up. I'd be making the um, uh, a friend friend of the show, Murray, um, sent over the uh, Dorodango, a Japanese art form uh, in which earth and water are moulded, uh, carefully polished to create a delicate, shiny sphere resembling a billiard ball. Basically, you get a handful of soil, a handful of dirt, or even a handful of poop, uh, mix it with water, uh, sc- just keep squeezing the water out of it over and over again. Make it, put it in a carrier bag, make it sweat, right. um, so all of the fluid is out of it, and it's, it just becomes this very soft, malleable kind of rock. It's, well, it, it sort of reminds me of that a little bit, just like a little, like a, a soil-based yogurt maker. Um, and then you just start polishing it slowly. And it's kind of this idea of, you know, you can polish a turd. You can, <laughs> like, Dorodango. It's worth a What's Google. The point These of it, shiny bowling. Well, it's just you're creating something out of nothing. It's very, um, it's, it's, it's a very calm, kind of meditative um, discipline, just shining a ball of soil, yeah. uh, a ball of dirt. A ball of dirt. <laughs> you know, I can, I, can, I can see why people uh, get off on it. Would but, you be uh, doing yeah. that as a uh, Dorodango? Are you doing that in a medieval village? Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm doing. I'm the I'm the guy. I'm the guy who gets rid of the poop from the latrines, uh, and I I create little little balls of poop. Would you would you hands. would you like would you be? I mean, because presumably, in that kind. I mean, we've obviously been very vague with our with our with our eras here for for, for no other reason mm. than the fact that we know what we're talking about. But would you be a warrior? Would you? <laughs> I mean, everyone's going to be expected to fight, probably. So you're going to be front and center there. No, I would. I'd. I'd, I'd be um, a blacksmith's assistant, and I'd be feckless and useless, and, and not a real man. Uh, and I'd just be a bit of a worm. I'd be. I'd be dead by eighteen. <laughs> I'd fall in a I fire. quite like the idea of you as a blacksmith's assistant, actually. Yeah. And eventually, yeah, but not like. Po- it- I'm sort of thinking like a really, um, like a, is it Podrick out of uh, Game of Thrones? Was he a blacksmith's assistant? No, Gendry was, um, wasn't he? Podrick's the, Gendry, Podrick was the right, man at okay. arms kind of thing. But they look quite similar though. <laughs> yeah, Gendry was the black. <laughs> but you've got to be tough. You've got big muscles to be a blacksmith. No, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's why I'd buy the assistant. I'd just be carrying swords over to the big man while he wax, wax away. And for, by 40, <laughs> which we both are now, we'd both be dead. Right, because people die way before that. Back then, asthma, mate, asthma. Oh dead. yeah, asthma. <laughs> I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have got out like childhood. I, I don't think I'd be able to do anything. I, 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 I can see you as a blacksmith. You're quite good with your hands. You're interested in that kind of tech. And back then, I guess that was tech. And you can do stuff practically. <laughs> I can't do anything practically, and I'm not brave and I'm not strong. 
So I, I think and I'm not clever. So I, I'm not sure. But I, I wouldn't want to be a man of letters. I, I do what I'd end up doing. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd end up. I'd end up being one of those those terrible people back in medieval times who'd have to um, dress like a woman to avoid going to war, or <laughs> be the assistant of someone who runs a brothel or something. I th- yeah, but you um, in, back in the day though, like everyone was a bit shorter, weren't they? So you'd be um, you'd be regarded as a giant. I'd be Hodor, you'd be like a wrestler or something. <laughs> you'd be Hodor. Yeah, yeah exactly. But even Hodor is brave. <laughs> yeah. Hodor plays a, a seismic yeah. role um, with his strength and his bravery. By the way, um, changing trains. I was going to say I saw that you put in the uh, no trains in Game of Thrones. No, mate. it's true. No trains. They haven't been invented. No. I saw that you put in our little shared dot. Um, and this piqued my interest because it's one of my favourite video games of all time. Um, a copy of Super Mario 64 has sold for $1.5 million. That's right, isn't mm. it? And is that is that because it's never been opened? Is that the only reason? Never been opened. I think it's, it, it, I think it's, uh, it's got a really high um, quality rating uh, in its condition. It's never been opened. There's only four or five other ones uh, that are identical. Like, what, what I found interesting about this is, like, I'm used to sort of seeing... Um, uh, games on like the NES or the Super Nintendo are kind of going for this amount of money, but like I regard Super Mario sixty four as being um, quite a modern game. If that makes any right. sense, it's polygonal, you know, it's N sixty four. So yeah, an unopened uh, package of of of, of Mario sixty four, which is incredible, really. You you never really know what is going to capture people's imaginations. You never really know which game uh, is going to be the, the, the rarity, the, the, the one that uh, nobody knew about. And, and so you do sort of think it's people who have got a lot of storage space, usually in America, people who have got like access to barns that they can keep their shit in, um, are, are the ones who are going to um, are going to capitalise on this sort of thing. But you do obviously have to wait 30 years before it's important. 25 years ago, it came out in 1996. I remember it. Mm. I, I remember playing it. Uh, and thinking, fucking, this is blowing my mind to bits. Because, as far as I remember, it's one of the first games to be properly 3D, right? Yeah, certainly on the, on the, on the Mario side. Does it still stand up now, people... Pete? Because I remember playing a bit of Goldeneye about, I don't know, a month or so ago, and it was poor. Mm. No, yeah, I think Goldeneye uh, doesn't. Mario 64, I think, I think very much does. I, I'd never really played it on the original architecture. I played it on the PC uh, about 10 years ago. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, it, 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 I... I I just sort of think, have I got any valuables? And then I look around my unlovable little grief hall and sort of go, no, I don't think I do have any valuables. It's all your valuables are in the garage, aren't they? Exactly, they're all in the garage. Um, Mimi's got um, (laughs) Super Mario 64 on the Switch. It's been released on Mm, the Switch now, so it's quite cool that you can play it in that way, go back over the old... uh... Well, they released... um, Somebody managed to find... um, Did they reverse engineer it or did they... They got the source code, basically, which meant that you could make your own... Super Mario 64, if that makes sense. You could make it on uh, the PC, so there could be like a native personal computer, PC or Mac or whatever, Linux version of Super Mario 64. Uh, So so it's completely device independent. uh, There's some really interesting stuff happening in in the Nintendo um, fan uh, spheres, um, a a point that obviously Nintendo find very problematic because they're very litigious, that company. Are they? Why? For what reason? (laughs) They they're, they're very protective about their copyrights, as uh, you know, as everyone should be with their copyrights. But they they are known to be incredibly aggressive when it comes to chasing people who are you know. Uh, there's a guy who got um, sued, I think, for editing a Zelda save file so that you could have more. Um, 
uh, more um, items and stuff so you could get like more amazing items earlier um, and all he was doing was editing the save files with like a, a hack and then selling them uh, to people and it, it's obviously the selling that, that, that's problematic because Nintendo should be making the money uh, by rights in that but uh, yeah it's it's, it's a they are very, very aggressive. What does with, that with mean for, for those of us that run travelling fun fairs with the um, hastily painted characters on the side of, say, a roller coaster? Well, look, it's very much... It depends on how big it is. If you've got a little Super Mario or a Kirby on the side of your waltzers, um, how big is it compared to the terrible um, airbrush painting of Angelina Jolie from Tomb Raider? Like, how... Because <laughs> like, it's always those characters, isn't it? It's yeah. always... And then they'll, they'll be... And, and a lot of them have got more sexual over time. Yeah. I think, like, the Ibiza uncovered, the uh, no-nonsense kind of, like, you know, the 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 the, 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 the sort of jackass style sexy kind of suicide girls kind of nonsense like sort of around about the turn of the millennium everyone got very, you know everything got hypersexualized and uh yeah the 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 paintings on the side of uh, waltzers and and, and stuff <laughs> big dippers uh, it's quite quite offensive I, th- I, I think i think you could do i think you could do a pretty good job of painting the side of waltzers you're quite good with the old paintbrush i can see that <laughs> as your job you look you look a bit like you could do that like i could see you with a vest on like early yeah, in the morning, sort of like doing roll up out your mouth, painting, <laughs> you know, painting dizzy on so, the side of a waltz. Sutty and sweet, sutty and sweet, fucking. <laughs> <laughs> it should horrible. be dizzy, right? Because waltzers make you dizzy. If you get, why are they putting Kirby on there? True. Put dizzy egg on there. Good point, dizzy egg. The Oliver twins. Yeah. It's, it's always it's always either those kind of video game characters on those travelling funfair rides, or really <laughs> poor renditions of Disney characters. Yeah, or Tom Cruise, or like, like or they, Arnie they, they, can, they never look. Arnie is a big one. Isn't it? It's yes, a big please. one. I was, I, I went down. I didn't realize, but I'm like seconds away from um, Southend Pier. I mean, you know, I live next to Southend, and I'd never actually been down to the arcades on Southend Pier. Fucking brilliant! It was so popped in for an hour. Played a bit of Outrun. Played a bit of Mario. If I'm like, you know, if I fall out with my partner, I'll just sort of go there for a couple of hours and sink some pounds. As both teenager, (laughs) if you fall out with your your 40 years old, you go to the fun fair. People are going to ask questions, mate. (laughs) Don't go there on your own. It looks good, man. It looks good. Well, I can't get up there with my scooter now because the the license plate's been nicked. Is is the outrun one the one where you just stand up with the steering wheel or is the one where you sit in the big car? Uh, I, I, it was Outrun 2 actually um, it was one where you could uh, you sit there's two steering wheels in one car which you would not get in a Ferrari Testarossa let me make that very clear <laughs> um, but when you when one person crashes uh, the, 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 the other steering wheel uh, becomes active and you kind of just swap over every time you nice smash idea. into someone it's a nice idea um, there was one, we nearly got quite there far there was one Leon Solent amusement arcade obviously near where I, where I grew up mm. you're right sorry um, it's <laughs> That um, spilt coffee on you know, myself you, earlier. It was horrible. You your paintbrushes over. Um, um, <laughs> called Shoot the Cup. Now, if anyone's listening to this, get in touch because it's an amazing game called Shoot the Cup. It was almost like you know the gun you get in Resident Evil at an arcade. It was like mm. that, but it was like it was stylized this super American like firearms trading game where you'd hold the <laughs> yes. gun and it would give you a finite amount of bullets, obviously, if we had to reload, and it would give you a lot of different challenges. So, so one minute you're walking into a room and there's some hostages and some terrorists, you've got to shoot them. Then, then it will flip to another game and you've got to shoot the cup off someone's head. And, and, at, the, and at the end, it always, <laughs> the final game always used to be shoot the cup, right? And it always used to right. say, um, watch your ammo for ammo, even though no one in America says ammo. 
which is so weird. Uh, but anyway, it was an amazing game. I've never seen like it a, anywhere else ever. Maybe it was like a um, like a Japanese thing. You sort of you, with the Japanese arcade cabinets, you sometimes get some absolutely bizarre pronunciation. There's also a game um, that is was featured in the third, whatever the most recent series. I think it's the third series of Stranger Things that they're playing in mm. one of the arcades. And it's an amazingly right. beautifully rendered cartoon game. It looks nothing like anything else. Um, mm. I, I want to say it's called like Dragon Quest or something. It's called Dragon's Lair. Right, and it looks amazing. Why is it so much more advanced than all the other games around in the early 80s? It, was, uh, it first came out on Laserdisc, I believe. Um, there were some home conversions. It was, it was the guy who left Disney to start his own animation company, Don Bluth, uh, who did that, and they did Space Ace as well. Uh, I preferred Space Ace than Dragon's Lair. I, I used to find that very, very compulsive uh, viewing when you used to see, But it all used to run off uh, Laserdisc, and it was really, you know, obviously graphically... Um, very uh, advanced. Very advanced, huh. you know, be- beautifully uh, animated uh, cartoon. Um, but the only problem is uh, it was uh, a bit of a shitty game. Right, so it was all, it was all show and no go, basically. Yeah, you'd sort of, you'd sort of, if you wanted to go up a ladder, you'd, you'd, you'd for some reason, you would go, oh well, I've got to press up here at this point, and you had to do it within the three seconds that the computer allowed um, you to do do it in three seconds. It was, it, it was really interesting. I, I, I played it on the Amiga on like seven floppy disks. Yeah, because the other games uh, all look so really basic in animation. comparison. Mm, yeah, it looked terrible. But yeah, anything the sort of laser disc uh, video games of like the of the nineties, uh, early nineties was just it looked like nothing else. And and walking around the arcades, um, I think I surprised me was like back in the day, like the arcades was when was where the best graphics were. Yeah, they, the video games looked better than all of these the massive rest. cabinets. Right? Yeah, yeah, and and walking around now. The processors are a little bit slow, so you're like you're watching something that's actually quite herky jerky and uh, not not very good. Um, so that's that's kind of sad a little bit. <laughs> I was a little bit upset. I was like, oh, yeah. this is where the good stuff used to be, and now it's, it's, it's a bit. Also, wonky, the to be the um, the attraction, and I'm probably maybe just about old enough to remember it, is that the people didn't have home video game consoles that often, and if they did, they no. were really basic. And so you'd go to an arcade, and you'd. Pa- I can remember going on holiday to the US with my family in like 1992 or something. My dad got made redundant, and then my parents, I think I told you before, my parents spent inexplicably mm. spent all the money on a holiday to America, right? Good on She's them. like mad. Anyway, in the hotel we stayed at, I had this video game arcade, and it was like the best thing ever. You'd get all these quarters, you'd convert your, your dollar bill into like four quarters, and you'd mm. play these games. And it was like astonishingly good. There was like a wrestling game, which was a four-player game, and it was nothing like anything mm. I'd ever seen before. Um, <laughs> but now you're right. I mean, everyone's got these... I mean, like, you play... Um, you play some of these games on PS5 and stuff, it's absolutely unbelievable how good they are. You're never going to be able to replicate mm. that arcade because probably they can't put the same... They can't afford to have a cabinet that's just one game because, you know, obviously the whole point of a PS5, for example, or a console is it plays loads of different games, right? Yeah, I mean, they'll they'll have, like, you know, PCs and, and, and arcade cabinets that, that run pretty much the same way that, uh, that, that PCs do, which would cut down on... Um on how much that's, that, that's going to cost, I suppose. But the arcades are dying, man. Like, um, I mean, they were, they've been dying, obviously, for a very, very, very long time. But certainly in Japan, um, a lot of like the, the straight-up arcades, rather than the pachinko gambling parlours and, and the rhythm games and stuff, the only, the, only, the only games that have really been played in Japan are the, are the rhythm games. What's a rhythm um, game? So there's no... 
Well, like um, like a like a rock band, but more advanced. Um, like like um, DDR kind of dancing, oh, yeah. waving your arms around, hitting hitting. Um, and and like you know the, the Japanese are very good at that. But but um, I think a lot of the um, like the Tato arcades and the Sega arcades in in say Akihabara in in Tokyo, um, nobody's nobody's going because it was so. Um, reliant on foreign uh, foreign visitors, and now they've sort of closed up shop. Um, they're finding it very, very difficult. But I mean, I, when I went down the arcades down there, <clears throat> two pound to play Outrun, two yeah, pound for one life that. in Outrun. Steep that. And I'll say one thing for Japan: like hundred yen, what's that? Seventy five p per go. Not bad. Much more competitive. Much better than here. Um, Pete, yeah. let's have a, on that on that note, let's have a quick break, and when we come back, we'll do some battery brands and maybe squeeze an email or two in as well, shall we? Yes, please. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's Thursday, so it's Battery Brands on the Luke and Pete Show. If you've got a battery that you've found in an unlovable piece of uh, Chinese tech, let us know. Uh, hello at LukeandPeteShow.com with a photograph, if you would. And uh, you can also get in touch on Twitter and Instagram at Luke and Pete Show. Yes, indeed. Stuart Burchett, hello to you. He's been in touch with a PK Cell, asking if that's a new player mm. entering the game. It is not, I'm afraid. We've no, seen quite a few of those. About that, mate. Um, and yep. James, uh, James E, sorry, refers to himself as James E on their social media. He <laughs> sent in a Pear Deer Ultra Digital. That's also not a new player. But I'm excited to say that Matthew Slater has given us pause for thought because he sent him, Pete, a Toy State, Toy State battery. Toy I don't recognise it. I looked at the picture. I think it's new. Mm. I am still astonished that after all these years, we are still finding batteries we've never seen before. I think, Matt, um, Peter, if you agree with me, Matt has successfully entered a new player into the game. I think he's in there. I think he's in there with Toy State. Very, very enjoyable. Well, well done, done Matthew well done. Slater. Well done. well done to you. Keep them coming in. Uh, emails, hello at lukeandpeteshow.com is the address. Um, Pete, do you want to step up and do one? Because I did one on Monday. I'll step up. I'll step up. Yeah. Uh, got a message from uh, Stephen. One of my favourite emails of uh, recent weeks has to be said. Morning, lads. Just listening to your recent episode about your granddad selling bread and getting free cinema tickets. I was born in South Africa because my dad was transferred from Belfast to Johannesburg to look after a factory manufacturing knockoff TVs. <laughs> my dad clamped down. My dad clamped down on wastage in the manufacturing process, only to find himself confronted by the foreman wielding a gun. Mm. The wastage in question was a long-standing verbal agreement that the workers could take a TV off the line in exchange for not throwing. Grit in the machines and holding up production. <laughs> <laughs> Being from Northern Ireland at the height of the troubles, my dad was ultimately sympathetic to the situation and reported back to head office that, saying that the production line was inefficient and losses were to be expected. The former did fire the gun into the ceiling, <laughs> cementing the continuous continuation of the deal. Oh my goodness! Oh me. lordy. Yeah, I, uh, I I was born in Johannesburg, and three months later, I got to fly back to London on the flight deck of a British Airways 737. It's a shame I can't remember this. Keep up this inane shit, Stephen. And he also throws in a PS as well, which is very interesting. My granddad fought in World War II in Cairo. 
He failed his driving test with the army and had to spend three months in the glass house because he was asked to move a tank and backed it into a market stand. I later found out that this was true, but he got the three months for stealing beer from the officer's mess. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen. What a great More email. of your stories, please. Can more I hear more from Stephen, please? please. That is a, there's a lot of action packed into one email there. I mean, it's got everything, Just really. It, a man shooting a gun, in, a foreman of a factory shooting a gun into a ceiling, uh, the, the threatening to throw grit into the machine. <laughs> what machine is it's this? less a negotiation, more a kind of, I am going to do this as a threat if you don't give me what I want. <laughs> That's incredible stuff. Smashing Good for stuff. you, Stephen. Fantastic. Um, yeah. I've got an email here from, I want to find it. It's from, oh, where is it? He's not left his name, the idiot. Oh, it's um, it's Michael. It's Michael. He has left his name, but he's put it in the body okay. of the email, which for those of you uh, who don't present podcasts to a middling level won't know that it's um, it's quite confusing. Anyway, Michael's been in touch. Says, Hi, Luke uh, and Pete. It's Michael here from Miami, Florida. Referring to Thursday's episode last week on one of the, when one of the listeners accidentally ate a poisonous plant. That was a you, wasn't it? A you. Uh, listen, we won't refer to it as the yew tree incident because of what's gone on before in this country, but it was very much a man in trouble to do with a yew tree. Um, Michael says, um, I, can I refer you to something I looked up to? Uh, I looked up while I was listening to your show. The place is called the Poison Garden in Annick. I think it's pronounced Annick in, in, I presume, mm. the north of north of England. Northumberland. Um, Beautiful. On its website, it states that if you visit, you must be very careful not to touch anything. Um, Though, as it also mentions, some visitors actually do pass out from inhaling the toxic smell from some of the plants. And he's he's attached a um, a brochure here for it. It's called The Poison Garden, and and the title is Do You Dare to Enter? Um, Thanks for sending that in, Michael. I'm not really sure what the point of going to this place would be. Hmm... I mean, yeah, it's it's nice to sort of know that they're there and you, maybe you can identify them in your, in your old... Uh, but it's, I, it would be a needless risk for me, I think, going to a poison garden where everything's poison. you're allergic to quite a lot of stuff, aren't you? So <laughs> True. And your asthma might play up. It would be a bit of a nightmare. Tell you what we'd do. I'd, I'd start eating. I'd absentmindedly start eating something like a, like a giraffe and I'd just uh, end up killing myself. Drop you off at the, I'll tell you what we would do. We'd drop you off at the arcade in the way. <laughs> yes, Pick please. You up on the way back. I'll have to have about that. Love get into some, rather than get into some toxic trouble. <laughs> I also want to squeeze in this last email from um, Nate, who's emailed us all the way from Wisconsin, a state in the United mm. States that you've visited, I believe, Peter. I think you've, I have, you've yes. been to Milwaukee, have you not? Mm. Yep, correct. Milwaukee. Nate says, um, Dear Luke and Pete, starting with the usual stuff, long time listener, first time email. I don't have a TV remote, but the closest batteries are Sony Stamina Plus. Uh, which come from the manufacturer of a lightsaber prop made for full contact sparring. Very serious um, start to the email. Um, Nate goes on to say, getting to the point, I've been working my way through the back catalogue of episodes slowly but surely, and in episode 154 or 155, um, an email read out by Pete mentioned something about a man who collected hats along the highways, and Pete asked how they end up there. This has probably been answered already, given that I'm well over a year behind, but just in case, I've actually witnessed a hat fly out of someone's window on the highway at speed and almost lost a hat of my own the same way. Sometimes people stop to go back for them, but usually traffic is too busy to safely stop and grab your item back from the road. So that's how they get there. Also, somewhere in that same episode, Pete mentioned chewing on various things as a child, including a fake poo. And I found that relatable as I tended to destroy the collar of T-shirts as a child by chewing them 
uh, for hours, and to this day, I have no explanation why. Uh, keep up the good work. Cheers, Nate from Wisconsin. <laughs> I don't remember you chewing a fake poo, although I'll tell you what, it's very on brand. No, I, t- I, um, I think it's like chewing bitumen. I think I, we were talking about that, weren't we? But yeah, I, I'll chew. I will chew anything. I will chew anything. But it's good to know that there are other people out there who are... Uh, Collars of T-shirts. Oh, the, the idea of chewing cotton. Oh, I just absolutely put my teeth on it. But I think Nate should edge. be fully aware of the fact that he is, um, he is talking to a man in you, Pete, who has tried every different type of your pet dog's food uh, voluntarily. Mm. Just want to know what's going on, mate. In the words of uh, one of the characters from Red Dwarf, now I know why um, dogs lick their lick their balls uh, because it takes away from the <laughs> flavour of the dog food. I think, Pete, you were very much. Some people have adopted the darkness. You very much were born in it. Um, the dogness. The dogness. <laughs> Let's get out of here. Thank you very much for listening to Luke and Pete show again for another week. It's been great. We will, of course, be back on Monday. If you have an email for us, please do get in touch and let us know by emailing hello at com. We will read out our favourites as we do every episode. Uh, at Luke and Pete show is our destination on Twitter and Instagram as well. All that's left for me to say is thank you very much indeed, Pete Donaldson. And thank you very much to you listeners. See you again soon. Pete Show is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.